We're in for flight. Are you ready to fly tonight? We'll put your tray tables up. Switch off all your electronics. They'll interfere with the flight. And uh, tonight we're going to go on an adventure together. Now, as you came in, I hope every single one of you was given a boarding card. Did everyone get their boarding card? Well, I'm going to explain how you can fill that in in a short moment. But did you notice that you all got first class? For the first time ever, first class. Have you ever flown and got to the departure gate and they've made this announcement? Uh, we'd like to invite our first class and our gold star members to please make their way to the departure. Uh, all you little piggies, you oinks, you grockles, you orcs, please sit down. This is for the special people. And as Tim said the other day, they look smug. Don't first-class passengers look smug? And when you get on the aeroplane and you're sort of barging down with your bag and they're sitting there saying, excuse me, wait, could I have another champagne? Could you uh, take my coat? They're wide, laying back, zzz, zzz, watching. Doesn't it make you a little bit cross? Don't you want to knock their champagne over? And they're not even subtle about it, are they? When you've taken off, uh, what? Stewardess, could you shut the curtain, please? We don't want to see those horrible, smelly grockles behind us. We're, we're first class. They cannot use our toilet. We pee differently. I mean, it's just keep away. So, but tonight, we're first class, all of us, on Commission Airlines. And so I want you to buckle up tonight because I want to remind you of where we are going. And the bad news is we're not going on holiday. We're not going in a Cessna either. We're going on a mission together. This is a send-off message where all of us are need of a buckle up because this is a message for every single one of us. And as the pilot announces the destination, let me announce the destination and who we are following, who's flying the plane. In Revelation 19, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. It says, with justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has the name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. 
Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Revelation 11, it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. That's our destination. That's where we are going, our aim point, our mission goal, a restoration of all things, a restored humanity, a restored creation, a restored universe of heaven and earth together, a garden city. And we were taught the other day about we are called to be flourishing trees. And you might say, well, hang on, how can you be a flourishing tree and going on a mission, going into battle? Well, if you ever watched Lord of the Rings, You'll remember that other moment. The ants are going to war. Do you remember that moment, Treebeard? And all the trees start charging down. Well, we are going to war. We're flourishing trees. We're called to be flourishing in every aspect of life. But we mustn't think we just sit and, and do nothing because there is a mission that we're being caught up on, a kingdom mission. And this kingdom goes to the whole ends of the earth, every part of life, every part of our society. There's no square inch of planet earth where Jesus isn't rightfully Lord. And the people to extend that kingdom and transform hell holes and deserts and barren places into oasis and orchards and places of beauty and blossom is us, the local church, Christians in kingdom people bringing kingdom fruit wherever they go. And so I want to call you tonight, as Jesus did, back to the Beatitudes, back to our kingdom mandate, and then just drill down on the last two Beatitudes of flourishing. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, it said, Blessed or flourishing, Makarios are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus says, if you want to know what it looks like to be a child of God, if you want to know what it looks like to know the pleasure of your Father in heaven, you need to understand this. You are called to be a peacemaker maker. As we go from here tonight, we're called to make peace. As Jesus left the glory of heaven and came to earth in order to bring reconciliation, man to man, man to God, peace, we understand that that is going to be costly and bring sacrifice. We need to understand, brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. Blessed are those who don't stand up for anything. Blessed are those who are nice. 
Our manifesto, our kingdom manifesto, hear this, is not to be horrible, but it isn't just to be nice. We're not called to just blend in, to maintain the status quo, to to be like the world around us as we go home and, well, that's okay for you and that is okay for me and you might want to do this and we might want to do that and who's to say right or wrong? Actually, God is. God is. We are to make peace. We're to stand up for righteousness. We're to stand up for the unborn. We're to stand up for the vulnerable and the weak in our society. We're to stand up for education. We're to stand up for our children and all the stuff that's going on around kids and and loneliness and broken families. We're we're, we're to make peace. We're to go into housing estates that the world says don't go in there because we can go in there because we can bring reconciliation and peace between different races, between different groups and factions. We are called to be peacemakers. Jesus refused the status quo. He didn't say, well, they've made their, their choice, Father. They don't want us. And Well, who's to say they're right and we're wrong? No, Jesus made peace. Jesus engages in a world war. The picture we are to have of Jesus isn't this meek, mild little baby in a manger. It is this incredible warrior king who, yes, brings us into the love of a father that we're children and the love of God overwhelms us and and fills us and the pleasure of God and the smile of God and the delight of God is all over us, but it's all over us because of Christ, our warrior king, who took on Satan, who took on death, who took on sin and conquered. And we're to be the same. We're to be the same. And there are three battlefields I want to particularly address for us as we go home because this is the last message. We all go home tomorrow. We pack up our bags and and I was praying for so many uh, of the youth this morning. They were saying, I've made this decision for Jesus and I'm nervous about going back to my school. I'm nervous that I'm going to lose this joy, lose this this passion for God. And I I, I said to many of them, pray for many of them, yeah, yeah, we we all feel that. Your mums and dads will feel that. But you need to understand we, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The word that God is working in you, he will carry on and carry on to work. He's committed to you. It's not we've got to keep God up. God will keep you up because he is committed to you. And you need to lean into God and trust God and have faith in God because God is about a great work in you, in all of you. And so I want to equip you as you go tonight in terms of three battlefields. And the first one I want to say this is we must win the battle for the mind. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You can't see if anyone's out there. You might have all gone home. So, So it's good just to make sure you're there. You can be a Christian without a Christian brain. Did you know that? There is a battle for the mind. The mind is an incredible thing. If you ever watch these programs and you, you've seen how the electrical signals in the brain, it's just phenomenal. I, I heard someone say there's more electrical connections in one human brain than like in all the computers in London. And there's more electrical connections going on. You, you've got those electrical connections tonight. And, and, and men and women's brains are, are, are different. Did you know that? 
How many of you knew women are cleverer than men? Did anybody know that? No, listen, no, seriously, no woman has ever married a man because he's got nice legs. And if you, if you look at a woman's brain under this electronic thing, you will find that a woman's brain is incredibly connected. There's electrical impulses going... They can connect driving to, to picking up the kids, to managing a budget, to what's on dinner tonight. If you look at a man's brain, it is a lot simpler. It is. It moves into boxes. We do. We, we, Michael McIntyre's to it. We have a you know sort of a hobbies box and a home box and a marriage box and we have a big sex box. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. No, but seriously, the biggest box in the man's brain is the nothing box. <laughs> and women just cannot, cannot, cannot understand that. I've been called out, I've been called out. Heather says, what are you thinking? <laughs> and I'm in a panic. <laughs> I am, I'm in a panic. Think of something, think of anything, just say anything. Because if I say nothing, she will not believe me. Uh, 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 Carol Kirkwood. <laughs> Carol Kirkwood? No, no, I didn't mean Carol Kirkwood. Ah. Oh. The weather forecast, I'm sorry. I... Her brain's making a million connections. My brain is in one place. It's a simple brain. It's a simple thing, a man's brain. And the first foundation every believer needs to understand when they become a Christian is God doesn't take our existing brain and say, just carry on thinking like that. A Christian mindset, a Christian worldview, a Christian understanding can only be rewired and re-plumbed and re-engineered by the Holy Spirit as we start to delight ourselves in God and start to understand his kingdom, which is not like the kingdom that we've been part of. You meet Christians and say, no, my Jesus wouldn't do that. My God wouldn't do that because their, their mind is locked into a worldview, a system of belief that the world has brainwashed them into. And when we become Christians and the commission on us as we go home tonight is not just to carry on thinking in the same way that the world thinks, but to think in the way of the kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus unpacks the Sermon on the Mount, and if you've ever read it, Fillmore was converted through reading the Sermon on the Mount because you just can't do the Sermon on the Mount. Flesh and blood cannot do the Sermon on the Mount. Only the Holy Spirit-filled believer who's following Jesus and understands Jesus is the perfect description can live out and think out the Sermon on the Mount. Otherwise, just think about it just naturally. If your eye causes you to sin... Pluck it out, says Jesus. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I mean, imagine we were saying to the ministry team tonight, okay, guys, come forward. Everyone got spoons for the eyes? Everyone spoons? Yep, we got spoons. Got some machetes. Machetes, we're all lined up. Now we're going to go for a ministry time. Anyone who's looked at a woman lustfully, come forward. I mean, it, it, 
have you ever sort of read the sermon and think, well, this is just incredible. What's Jesus advocating? He's advocating an upside-down world. The only way we can live the life isn't by following the law. It's by abiding in Christ. It's living and thinking and, and breathing the Bible. You know, when you get on an air, airplane at an airport, they won't let you get on the airplane with your normal luggage, will they? You can't wheel up your great big suitcase that you're going to take home with you tonight into the airplane. You, know, they, you have to go through, so, so can you leave that? And even when you're going on to just with your hand luggage, British Airways have got a little tiny... Make sure you can fit your hand luggage. Doesn't work with India, just to say. If you ever travel with, in, say, Vinu, I mean, Vinu's carrying in this vast suitcase. And he's trying to lift this up into the overhead compartment. And the air stewardess is saying, uh, can I give you a hand, sir? They're so polite, aren't they? They don't say, you're an idiot. They go, oh, can I give you a hand? What have you got in there? A llama from Ghana, says Vinu. <laughs> Just trying to, trying to stick it in the overhead compartment. I mean, if I was the stewardess, quite honestly, I, I would just say, you're an idiot. I'm going to stuff you in the overhead compartment. I'm going to put your suitcase on your seat. <laughs> but I'm not an air stewardess, fortunately. The point I'm making is, when you become a Christian, you don't carry on all your old beliefs, all your old thinking. You left a lay. It's what repentance is all about. You lay that down and you say, I'm not going to believe anything or know anything about how to live this life apart from what I read in the scripture, apart from what the Holy Spirit leads me into and leaders in the church help me into because I know that my old way of thinking will hold me back from thinking like Jesus and living like Jesus and speaking like Jesus, which is how we're to live in the kingdom. Do you understand that? You know, you, how do you do parenting? How do you do marriage? You don't just pick a book or, 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 or ask somebody at random, how do you do this? Or even have a go yourself. No, no, there's teaching. There's a way of living that Christ commends and commands we follow. Now, the, the, the Beatitudes book, the blessed book that I gave you the other night, you're just about to go home. I just want to remind you, we didn't give you this just because it's a freebie on a flight, and some of you can leave it in the sort of luggage area and forget all about it. I want you to go home and start saying, I'm going to work this through with my wife, with a disciple partner, because I want to start living a kingdom life, and I, I want to understand how commission fits that. I want to know how to pray into that. This is a discipleship tool, and so I want to encourage you to do that. I want to remind you to do that. I want our movement to be a movement of churches which just love flourishing, that just abides in the Word of God, that lives this supernatural upside-down world that pleases God. I love every resource that helps us look at the Bible. There's a brilliant, the word-for-word -word Bible comic here. This year we've got the Gospel of Mark that Alex has done. It's wonderful. 
And I love it when I get on a flight and get a freebie. There's two freebies here for the first two people who come down to the front here, apart from the front row. And there comes one person running. I like to see it. And another person. Well done. Having... Go and look at this Bible comic. It is amazing what Alex has done. And it's another tool for helping us read the Bible. Now, when it comes to reading and equipping, I want you just to pick up your boarding pass just for a second. On your boarding pass, you've got uh, training under special meal requests. In about 20 minutes time, I'm going to ask you to fill this boarding card in, but under training, I want to just address a few things. Some of you tonight need some training to think theologically. You're involved in some area of leadership in the world, uh, in the workplace, I mean, in the, in the, in the, in the church, and you want some in-depth grounding on theology and the Bible. You want some insights into leadership. You want to do some learning with other people and find out how to think more biblically in leadership. I want you to write tonight, I'd like to be part of foundations. Put foundations there. Some of you will want to do, actually, I'm, I feel that like my gifting is teaching the Bible. I, I, I've got recognition. People say in my small group in, in the church, I've got a gift. You know, I'm a man, I'm a woman, it doesn't matter. I've got a gift to teach the Bible. Well, you need to sign up and put down on here, advanced. I'd like to do advance. I'd like you to sign up to advance. And others of you, I just want to say this, particularly those who are students. Perhaps you're a graduating student. Unless you've heard God audibly, by the time you graduate, I'd not like to invite you to spend a year doing impact in one of our churches or in one of our church plants. I say that because it will change your life. So if you are someone in that age category, before university, after university, thinking, actually, I wouldn't mind giving a year for God, do an impact year. It changes lives. There are so many people in this room who have been changed from doing impact. Your calling tonight is to write down there as we fill in this card later, actually, guys, sign me up for impact. There's a battle for our minds, brothers and sisters. We watch television, we watch, listen to media, we, we are bombarded, and, we're, and, we, and it's no wonder that, did you see that just documentary the day before we came to West Point on uh, the, the, the suicide rate, killing the under 50s in our nation, that men, and they were saying men have got, they don't understand why they exist, what's the purpose of their life, and, and what's the meaning of their life. They used to think we were the breadwinner, we were someone who could, who could lead a home and be responsible for a home. Now all that's changed, and the people on this documentary were saying that young men have got no idea why they're here, what their role is in life. Well, we're believers, and we do. God created male and female, and he said it was good. It is good, maleness and femaleness. It's a beautiful thing, and we need to show the world what it looks like in singleness, in fruitfulness in singleness, and we want to just honor every single person. I just so thank God for the single people in commission, men and women who are pioneering, pushing through, giving their time to God. I just honor you in marriage. What does it look like for a husband and wife to do life together in this difficult world? 
We need to think biblically. We must, must give ourselves to reading the Bible, to sitting under the Bible, to being uh, those who just love it when they're hearing the Bible being taught. The second battle I want to just suggest to you is a battle for the church. A battle for the church. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not defeat her. Jesus gives the great commission. We're called commission. And if you're watching this on television, we're called commission because we are outworking the great commission into all the earth to go and make disciples of all nations. And we want to give you a warm invitation. Come and join us because we're, we're, we're about a great mission. And uh, he said, go and make disciples. And yet these disciples, as they begin, we read in the book of Acts, they instinctively built communities. And these communities were called church. Now that we've heard over and over again, the church is in the kingdom, but the church is the means, the vehicle, the agency, the, the ability to train and transform and make disciples that then sends out these disciples into the world to transform the world, to be kingdom agents, to be flourishing men and women wherever they go. But that doesn't mean that because we're on this kingdom mission, we don't need the church. We keep coming back into the church because the church resources us and encourages us and feeds us and enables us to keep on being fruitful. And so when we look at the New Testament, when we look at the Bible and say, what does the Bible say about the church? There are loads of pictures and metaphors, pictures of buildings, pictures of the body, but the one that I really particularly always love and am moved by is we're the bride of Christ. We're the apple of his eye. The local church Christ is committed to. He's going to build it. He loves it. He wants it to be pure and white and spotless. He wants her to be standing on tiptoes looking for his return, that wedding day that is just about to come. And, and is he coming? Is he coming? Oh, I'm ready. I'm pure. I'm, I'm, I'm righteous. I'm pursuing righteousness because my lover is just about to come and there's going to be a wedding supper and I'm invited into it. So every wedding we go to in this world is a wonderful, wonderful picture of that final day, that great day. And we, we need to keep reminding ourselves that we are the bride of Christ. So the job description of the local church, her priority is the king. To pray, thy kingdom come. I believe with all my heart in the local church. I do. I believe all the powers of evil that exist on earth, all the wickedness that comes towards us, all the horrors that we watch on our television screen with murder and vice and awful things that are going on in this world. I believe the answer is we, we take these communities, these beautiful communities, and we plant them into cities. We plant them into nations. We call people out to go and plant a church because there is no power on earth like the local church where Christ is resident to transform transform the world, to bring healing to the sick, to preach good news to the poor, and to see transformation. What was a desert suddenly flourishing, full of fields and beauty and fragrance, because Jesus is committed to his local church. Amen? I believe the church needs to remind herself of her mandate. 
She is called to make disciples, and she is called to bring kingdom culture. Did you know you have two callings on your life? If you're a believer here in this place, please don't do, I don't know what my calling is. Well, it's easy. Go home, take the blessed life, and start discipling someone. If you're an older Christian, take a younger Christian with you. Start pouring your life into another person. Every church leader here, discipleship is our priority. It isn't to get happy buildings, filled buildings with people cheering us. It is to equip them for their work of kingdom warfare in the world. They must come into the church and feel they are being equipped to go out and transform the world. That's our job description. So your first calling is to go and make disciples. And your second calling, every one of us, every single one of us, is to bring kingdom culture or in our vocation, what we love doing, where we work, to bring about transformation wherever we go. And that topic covered everything last night. If you're watching this on TV, it's about changing government. It's about changing education and health. It's changing our communities, our societies. It's changing the poor. It's changing every aspect of life in the world today. We are called to do that. Every one of us, not a few of us, every one of us. Amen? But I've got a problem. I've got a big problem. And uh, I've got some bad news tonight. We're going to have another offering. We're going to have another offering, not of money, because we've been reminded by people who are part of our wider family, we're a generous people, and you are. You are phenomenally generous. 650, that will go up. I know it will go up. I know even people in this room or people watching on TV will say, I want to be part of this. I'm going to give. Praise God. But we need an offering which is more important tonight, the money. Because we've given that money. We've sacrificed that money. We've invested that money. We've sown that money last night to do something of eternal worth, to raise leaders, to transform lives, to help the poor, but to plant churches. We need, brothers and sisters, to plant hundreds of churches in the coming years. And so this is a Holy Spirit. I felt the Holy Spirit grab my heart, wrench it from my body earlier on, and said, I want you to step out in faith tonight, guy. And I want you to call people out, call people out from the nations watching this video to come with us and we'll do you good. Come plant some churches across the world. And so what I'm going to do in a few minutes is I'm going to ask you, I'm going to call people out in this room to make a decision tonight to follow Jesus and to get involved in leadership and church planting and nations and making a decisions for Christ tonight to leave your comfort of where you are 
You may be an elder and God's summonsing you to be a lead elder. You may be someone who's in retirement and you're thinking, actually, I've got my nest egg. You may be a young person and thinking, I've got my career sorted. And tonight is a moment in the Holy Spirit where God wants to summons you and call you out of your very seat. He wants to pull you into his kingdom mission. Commission needs a moment in God of leaders being released. And so what I want to do tonight, I had an evening like this in 1991. I had my own business. I was making a lot of money. I built my own house. I was doing well in the world's eyes. And I went to a meeting like this, and God, through a man called Krianzak, I was summoned out of passivity. I was, I was a good Christian boy. I was doing all the right things. I was summoned out of that and into leadership, into this mission that I'm now part of, and I went forward and made a decision. So what I'm going to do tonight, and this is going to foul up everybody in this room, I'm going to ask you to do something that is going to scare you. I'm going to walk around this auditorium, and I'm going to be speaking as I go, and I want you tonight to search your heart and to ask God, can you be part of Commission's next adventure? Can you come, follow me tonight? I'm asking you to get behind me and follow me as I walk around this auditorium and say to Jesus Christ, I want to be part of the adventure of commission that goes in church planting. I'm going to go in the name of Jesus. We want to go to Manchester. We want to go to Nottingham. We want to go to Liverpool. We want to plant churches all over the UK. I'm summonsing you tonight. People in London, some of you young people, I want you to come with me to London. I'm on my way to London. Why haven't I gone to London? Because we believe there are hundreds, there are thousands of people who need to hear the gospel. And I'm saying, come, follow me. Jesus said to the disciples, come, leave your boats, leave your nets. Come, follow me into this mission field. I'm summonsing some of you to come, come, come. Leave those nets. There's an emergency. There's a moment in God where you need to hear God and say, I'm willing to go to Brazil. I'm willing to go to Spain. I'm willing to go to Ghana. I'm willing to go all the way across to India and to Myanmar. I want you to come and follow me. I want you to make a decision tonight. Brothers and sisters, don't hold back in this place. Don't think, I'm going to play it safe. I'm retired. I know where my nest egg is. I want you to come. Come leave your seats and make a decision tonight to go all out for Jesus Christ. I'm asking you, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. There is a massive harvest for commission to fulfill. And he says, the laborers are few. Where are the laborers? Where are the men and women tonight who will say to Jesus Christ, I'm with you. I'm following you. I'm willing to take a risk. Don't worry about what men say. Don't worry about what your senior pastor saying. Tonight, I'm calling out lead elders. I'm calling out church planters. I'm calling out people who will come on this mission with commission and will make a difference. We're going to London. Come join us in London. Come all of you. All of you, follow me who want to be part of this church planting adventure because we're going to do something amazing, amazing in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, I'd like you to just stay there. All of you just stay there. I'll go back onto the screen and platform. Please just don't sit down or go anywhere. I want to just say to pastors in this place, senior pastors, please do not hold on. Don't be fearful. We want to build your church. Of course we do. But there is a moment in God, there is a moment in time where we, God wants to break any sense of holding on to and say, I want you to release these people. 
We want to talk to you, want to do it through you. But I want to see laborers running out of this place tonight saying, I heard God, West Point 2018, and I made that decision to go with God. So I'd like you to go again. Go again. Okay. Come on, let's go again. We're going to the Middle East. Mike and Jessica, follow me because you're important in this. We're going to Portugal. Some of you say, I've got an apartment in the south of Portugal, the south of Spain. I'm saying, come and plant a church. I'm speaking to single women in this place, single women who've got good jobs to go to Manchester, go to Birmingham, go to London, and you're saying, actually, what can I do? You can plant a church. You do not have to sit passive tonight. You do not have to think, well, God could never use me. God wants to use every single one of you. I'm calling you. Come on, don't sit there. Don't think one day maybe I will do something for God, something risky. I felt in the Holy Spirit there's a whole army of people God wanted to call out. Come and join the church plant in Ghana. Come and be part of the great solution and commission. Next year, we want to celebrate this evening and say those people who responded have taken active steps towards this mission field. So come. Come with me. Jesus said, leave everything. Leave everything. You can't do, you can't hold on to your life and hope to win it. So come be part of this great adventure. Are you following me? I'm asking you to follow me, follow my leadership team, because we want to do something amazing in our day, in our generation for Jesus Christ. Don't we? Don't we? Want to do that for God? Why don't we stand and applaud these people who have just responded? Stand. Ministry team, ministry team, just go over there and start praying. I'd like you all to raise your voice. I'd like you all to turn over to this area. And I just want a moment in God. I'd like you to cry out to God that something amazing has happened tonight, that God would bless these people and that we would see a breakthrough moment in commission. Lord, come on, let's lift our voices. Let me hear you praying. Oh, come Holy Spirit of the Lord. Come, Lord. God, I pray tonight, I pray for every single heart that has responded and those who are still to respond. Some of you are battling. It's a battle for your mind, your security. Maybe you've been put off. Maybe you've had a half-open door and closed in your face. Tonight, the Holy Spirit is saying there is a wide-open door in commission to go. You might not know how it's all going to work out, but in the name of Jesus, we now raise our hands and raise our voices and we say, Lord Jesus, would you do something amazing? Would you release laborers into your harvest field? 
May this result in church plants, Lord. May this result in new lead elders. May this result in peoples who are just thinking they're moving home, now opening up a new city for us. I pray for Nottingham. I pray tonight there'll be someone from Nottingham in the name of Jesus who could go and open up a city there. And that, that this time next year, we're planting a church in Nottingham. I pray for London, Lord. I give Heather and I are on this mission going, not knowing. We don't know how it's going to work out, but we know we want to plant tens and tens of churches in London. And Lord, we, I'm asking tonight that men and women in this place would move, not with the world move, everyone moves out of London as they get older and richer, Lord, would move into London because there is a huge harvest field, a massive harvest field, eight and a half million people, Lord. I pray that tonight you do business with every heart in this room, but particularly those, Lord, those who have responded to this calling, responding to you, summons in them out. Thank you for them, Lord. Let your spirit of encouragement fill them tonight. Let your Holy Spirit faith come. Lord, that they would not be timid in pursuing you, but would be saying yes, Lord, to every challenge you put before them. I pray this, wouldn't, this would upset our normal agendas as elders, but I pray for all the elders in this room tonight to have faith and grace, to plant more churches, more sites, adopt more churches. I pray in the name of Jesus, this would be a memorable evening for us in West, in West Point. Beyond, Lord, the offering, the miraculous offering, I pray for miraculous giving of people. I pull them out. I pull them out on God TV, on, on television. I pull them out and say, actually, people watching this on television from China, from India, from Australia, I'm asking you, come with us and we'll do you good. You might be a little church in the Philippines. You might be a little church in, in, in Colombia or in Brazil. And you're saying, we don't know where to fellowship. We are on a mission. We want to see thousands of lives transformed hundreds of churches, tens of nations. Why don't you come? Why don't you join us on this mission? Write to us, communicate with us, because we want God's mission to be advanced all over the earth. We're about praying, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Why don't we sit down? We'll let these precious ones carry on being prayed for, but I want everyone in this room to be caught up in this commission. There's not an us and them. You know that, don't you? We're all full-timers for Jesus Christ. So I want to finish by just saying there is a battle for planet Earth. A battle for planet Earth. Our commission, brothers and sisters, is to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel, to release kingdom men and women, to bring grace, life, transformation, to show what God's outworking rule and reign look like by living flourishing life. Flourishing life in the business world, flourishing life in the education world, flourishing life wherever we go because God's spirit is on us. Do you know, we gave every child in youth this morning an acorn or a seed and we challenged them to go and plant it and nurture it. Why did we do that? Because we wanted to give them a visible understanding of what it is to follow Christ. Yes, you have to die and be buried, but the tender nurture of spiritual life takes watering and nurturing every day. I said to them, if anyone brings me back a little oak tree next year, I'll give them a pound. A little sycamore tree, I'll give you a pound because it takes a lot of work. I'm not telling you tonight that from now on, your spiritual life is going to be easy. I'm saying if you want to be flourishing, we've got to give ourselves to God and his kingdom because God is with us. So let me finish by three areas in the world, in planet Earth. And the first is this, the lost. 
Begin in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, says Jesus, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. That's home and family, loving your spouse, raising your children, adoption, that's all in that kingdom mandate. It's going to your street, your workplace, your parish, your food, where you eat your food. It's going to Europe, it's going beyond Europe into other parts of Asia, it's going all over to America and South America, it's going to the ends of the earth and it's going to the 1040 window, isn't it, Simon? Can I just say, Simon's a, a real hero of mine, but can I just say, Simon, it's not a 1040 window, it's a 1040 open door. It's a 1040 open door for you and you must summon people to follow Jesus, follow you to open up doors for people to get into the Middle East. You're doing that already? There's a kingdom mandate for that to get even bigger because we're going to the ends of the earth. We're going where people say, you can't go in there and preach the gospel. We're going. If you ever rub shoulders with Vinu and Julie or any of the Indians here, they are on this mission. They are brave. They are bold. They are going into unreached areas. And let me just... Very interesting to do one little insight. If you take a world map, and if you plot on that world map the largest areas of unreached peoples, if you take another map and plot on that map the world's poorest people, and if you then take another map and put on that map where are the greatest business opportunities in the world today, here's the funny thing. They overlap perfectly. So I'm calling out tonight commission businessmen and businesswomen to go into the areas where there is very little gospel advance and start opening up businesses that can employ Christians so that the kingdom of God can advance. If you're a Christian businessman, you can make money, you can go anywhere, we'll start going to those areas because this way commission can unlock more and more laborers into God's harvest field. A third of our world has never had the chance to hear the gospel tonight. When I watch videos of Christians returning to war-torn Syria to rebuild, when I hear Pervez talk about Pakistan and threats on lives and armed guards, I'm inspired. I'm inspired by David and Karen in this place. I'm inspired by people willing to get on this mission. We need courage, brothers and sisters. We might not go to Pakistan or to the Middle East, but we need courage to go to our neighbor. We need courage to go to our business. We need courage to do something great for God because the nations need to hear the gospel. It's got to be good news to everyone. The second area in terms of going, battle for planet Earth, I want to suggest to you is the poor. We have a mandate, an apostolic mandate to remember the poor. There are one billion slum dwellers in the world today. 1.5 billion people live on less than $2 a day. Every hour, 72 women and children are trafficked. 237 every hour are dying of AIDS. 870 every hour die from hunger. God says to us, we're rich. Doesn't want us to have a guilt trip. You've just sown 600,000 pounds into his kingdom. You're saying we're giving it away because we want the world to be blessed. And God will, I pray, God really blesses you and increases your storehouse so we can go again. But brothers and sisters, let the compassion of Jesus Christ reach you for the poor. 
The spirit of the sovereign Lord, we had that read by Steve. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointing me to go to preach good news to where? The poor. You see, there's something special about the anointing. The anointing of God is God on human flesh doing only what God can do. But it's not in meetings that that's meant to happen. It's meant to be as we go to areas where there are poor, that's where we might see the greatest anointing as we reach out with the compassion of Christ, as we look at these poor people and we reach out with mercy and, and, and aid and help to, to help their poor lives. We also reach out with the gospel because we want to see those lives, those areas transformed for Jesus Christ. The poor in our society in the UK, four and a half million people experience persistent poverty. One in five children suffer from food security every day in Britain. The solution isn't Theresa May. We can't blame the government. The solution is the local church. The solution is in our hands. God wants us to be a means of grace. And let me finish by saying this very quickly. We're into the environment. You might have never heard me say that before, but we are into the environment. We don't get all stupid and green, and you, but we are caring for our planet. We were given a mandate, a creation mandate, to steward the world and look after its resources and look after its ocean, the fish and the birds and wildlife and how we grow crops and how we look after people and provide for people and scientific invention and how we, how we help everybody in this world to get along. All this is kingdom. So if you're going to university in Falmouth, yes, plant a church for me in Falmouth. Please plant a church for me in Falmouth. But please also go to university there to learn how you might help the world eat and live and flourish. I understand that university is very good on all that sort of stuff. So let me close. I want you to take out your card, please. I want you to get your pens out. Before you fill this in, you're not filling it in for anybody else. Steve Petchfield, mine in and put Saudi Arabia. You're not filling in, uh, you're not filling anybody else's in, all right? I want to say this. The Great Commission is for everybody in this room. It's the skeleton over which all of our lives hang. So I want you to fill in this card tonight. The first thing is I want you to put your name. I want you to put your email. By filling this in, you are telling us that you're happy for us to contact you. It is a passing passport for the kingdom of heaven. We're doing something of eternal worth tonight. So it says, firstly, West Point with an arrow. What comes after that is your home church. I want you to write your home church. We're going from West Point tonight to Bridport. We're on, on our way to Welcome Church Woking. Put where your local church is. It's not, it's not going to be a cheering moment. I'm just trying to illustrate, okay? <laughs> now, layover. What's your layover? I want you to put in your layover, what is your cultural kingdom mandate? Who are the group of people that you are working with, living with, loving, reaching out to in your 
area, you're in, you're in the town of Woking, you're in London, you're in, in Winchester, who are, you, who are you living with or who do you feel on your heart you particularly feel you want to have kingdom influence for Jesus Christ? Not just gospel influence, but kingdom influence. I want to influence my hospital. I want to influence my school. I'm working with disabled children. I want to be a kingdom influence in that area. I want you to put that down. Now, final destination, it isn't glory, okay? Although the truth is, it probably is. Uh, The final destination, I want some of you, some of you tonight have responded in this this invitation. You're saying, actually, I'm willing to go to Madrid because we need another church plant in Madrid, and I'm putting down Madrid tonight, or Spain. Maybe you've got a holiday flat in the south of Spain, and you're saying, actually, in a year, in two years, I'm willing to use my home as a base where we can plant a church in Spain, in Portugal, in India, in Canada, in America. I'm willing to do that. Some of you have been spoken to. I spoke with a little, a 15-year-old girl this morning who has got a supernatural ability in Spanish, and she said, could you pray for me because I want to be a, a missionary, a church planter in Spain. She's a, year, a few years away from it, but hey, let's grab hold of these moments in God. And on training, you've heard me say, if you'd like to do foundation, I am calling you, please, if that appealed to you tonight, you thought, how am I going to afford it? Make it away, make it a priority. Same with advance, same with impact. And one other thing you can put there, if you responded tonight to go church planting, under training, put church planting. Steve Petch and I were talking... This afternoon, we were just brainstorming. We're saying, if there's a group, if there's 10 or 12 people responded tonight to say, we will go church planting. Steve and I said, we are going to invest into that starting this September to try and gather once a month those group of people so we can pour our life into them, equip them, ready them, and send them out in a year or two's time to go and do that. So if that was you, please put down church plant because we want to equip you how to do it. I'm giving you a few seconds just to fill that in. Now, one of my heroes died this year, Billy Graham. One man, one vision, speaking to 32 million people, 400 crusades, 53 countries. What a difference that man made to so many lives. How much more, brothers and sisters, as we leave this place, can we make a kingdom difference? Your life will soon be over. Christ will come again and restore all things. We will get new bodies. We will see and live upon a wonderfully restored new earth. And oh, won't it be glorious? No more sickness. No more suffering. No more moments when we're crying out for Helen. All our weak, tired bodies will have new bodies. And all those saints that ran before us and whose shoulders we stand on tonight in this room, we will greet face to face 
And as we greet one another, loved ones, mums, dads, grandparents, that we thought the parting was oh so sad, the reunion will be oh so sweet. There will not be a dry eye on that day. And the greatest of all things, walking into the city, walking in the midst, is the bridegroom whom we love. We're doing this for him. We're doing this for him. All of our lives, we're doing it for Jesus. All this 650,000, we're giving it to him. We're saying, Jesus, would you use us because we're living in the light of that day. We want to live this day in the light of that day. We want to be all in for Jesus as we leave West Point. And although it's a really crass movie and I would never, ever recommend it, every time I see the opening of Love Actually, it moves me to tears because it reminds me of that day. So we're just going to watch it, and I'm going to ask you to stand, and the band to come forward as we respond to God. Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion is starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. This auditorium, I pray now the love of Jesus Christ across this auditorium, Lord, that we go in a few minutes, we hug one another in a few minutes, we'll see maybe not each other until next West Point. But we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. We go under your commission to go into all the world. And we leave this place with our hearts bursting, full of gratitude. And we say to you, Jesus, we're living for that day. Oh, what a glorious day it's gonna be to see you face to face, to see humanity restored, to see our loved ones who have run that race before us, joyfully worshiping the Lamb, joyfully in joyful celebration in wonderful, wonderful harmony and beauty and unity. And we say, oh God, we're living for that day. And I pray, Holy Spirit, tonight, you would commission all of us to be kingdom agents. You would commission all of us as we go to flourish. You would commission all of us to bear fruit in every situation. You commission us, Lord, to bring kingdom transformation. You commission us to go to new nations. You commission us to plant churches in new cities. We pray for an amazing, amazing year ahead of us. We want to invest this money, Lord. We want to pull out people tonight into this kingdom advance. And we want to see glorious things in our day. As we've seen at West Point, we 
now say, go with us, Lord, into the world to bring the same kingdom transformation wherever we go. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with love. Fill our hearts with praise. Lord, we, we give ourselves to you tonight in worship as we end tonight. We just want to throw ourselves again on your mercy, on your grace, on your love and say, Lord, you are worthy of it all. Come, come, Spirit of the Lord, and ignite our hearts with love and passion and faith that we go here, go from here full of you. In the power of your Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.